the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, August the 22nd, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On August 22nd, 1851, the schooner America outraced more than a dozen British vessels off the English coast to win a trophy that has come to be known as America's Cup. I suppose that race was more more about competing with Britain again than it was even about winning the race itself, the America's Cup. Today in 1787, inventor John Fitch, he demonstrated his steamboat on the Delaware River. He got the delegates from the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia. They were writing and creating our Constitution. In 1910, Japan annexed Korea, which remained under Japanese control until the end of World War II. I saw the results of that when I, at a time in my life, I spent a good deal of time in Korea working with churches there. In fact, the largest Christian church in the world is in Seoul, Korea. I was very closely affiliated with that church in my missionary and evangelism outreaches there in um, in Korea. And I got to know a lot of people, including the pastor of that church, who's now passed away, but um, was often a speaker there. And I just, the thing that struck me was the lingering resentment in Korea of Japan's annexing Korea back in 1910. And uh, no, I, I was not there in 1910, but, uh, and I'm smiling. But I, they talked about it often. In fact, the pastor of this church, it was 700,000 members, but it, it's huge. It, you probably read about it. But anyway, it, um, they would have a missionary convention every year, and they would, they would present you know, the mission. And this church, it, to this day, reaches out around the world with missionaries, much like America has done. And typically churches, evangelical churches, have missionary conventions, and it's all about reaching the world spreading the gospel, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, as Jesus said. So they would have their missionary conventions, and these young people would feel called of God to become missionaries and go to other lands, and they had a big, huge map out in this big, gigantic entrance of this building, this church, and they would actually you know, have little dots on the map where their missionaries were all over the world and everything. It was kind of the reverse of what, if you grew up in churches, in evangelical churches, type churches in America, it's kind of what you're used to seeing. So that was kind of a shock to me. But the greater shock was when I first heard that, the, the, I don't know, it wouldn't be hatred, but the, the scars from that occupation ran so deep that when the pastor would have these missionary conventions and they would ask for people, young people in particular, who are called to missionary ministry 
to come forward and they were going to be blessed and prayed for and so on. And then there would be follow up and they would start training and all of that would follow. But um, when they would mention that they needed missionaries to go to Japan, the pastor told me, he said, even I, he was born and raised in Korea, but he said, even I, he said, was shocked by the resentment that lingers generationally over that occupation. One of the reasons was because Japan went in and changed, not not the people of Japan, but the, the government went into Korea and changed the architecture of many of the buildings. And uh, that was particularly the sticking point for most Koreans. But life is interesting, to say the least. And this little fact here that Japan annexed Korea in 1910 reminded me of those conversations I've had with those people. They were still reliving the past. They were Christians, still reliving the past. Maybe there's a lesson in that for all of us, that we can let go of some things sometimes and just let God handle it, but get it out of our heart, particularly if there's bad feelings, resentment, or bitterness. Let it go. Ask God to forgive you and help you and lift you above that, because that is deadly in our spiritual lives. Today in 1989, Black Panther's co-founder Huey Newton, he was shot to death in Oakland, California. Today in 1992, on the second day of the Ruby Ridge siege in Idaho, an FBI sharpshooter killed Vicki Weaver. You may remember she was the wife of Randy Weaver. The sharpshooter later said he was targeting the friend's couple or the couple's friend, Kevin Harris, but he didn't see Vicki Weaver. Today in 1996, President Bill Clinton signed welfare legislation ending guaranteed cash payments to the poor, demanding <laughs> they would demanding they would work and get their money. That's a novel idea. I don't think Bill Clinton could get elected today with those kinds of ideas in today's world of giving away boatloads of money, raising a generation that really doesn't want to go to work. I mean, they'll tell you that. They're quite open with it. Today in 2000, Publishers Clearinghouse agreed to pay $18 million to 24 states and the District of Columbia to settle uh, charges or allegations that it had used deceptive promotion in its sweepstakes mailings. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is, isn't it? Not true. Today in 2003, Alabama's Chief Justice Roy Moore, he was suspended for his refusal to obey a federal court order to remove his Ten Commandments monument from the rotunda of his courthouse. You may remember that for sure. I know I wrote about it at the time and we talked a little bit about it. I wasn't, didn't have this radio program at the time. Dr. Fauci announced just a few minutes ago this morning that he's going to be stepping down from his government positions in December. Just last month, he said he was going to serve until the end of Joe Biden's term, and then he would be stepping down. Does he know something we don't know? (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I don't know if if the end of this year in December is the end of Biden's term or not. I can't imagine how that could be, but... Nonetheless, Fauci announced today that he will be stepping down from his government positions in December, the end of December. He said, I'll be leaving these positions in December of this year to pursue the next chapter of my career. He's 81 years old. 
and um, seems to be pretty cognizant and in good health and so on. But he is uh, has significantly moved up his timetable. And as I said, in July, he said he would resign at the end of Biden's first term. So people are talking about this. It was just announced a few minutes ago, so I haven't read what people are saying, but I, I can only imagine. But uh, he said Fauci's announcement also coincides with Republicans vowing to investigate his work should they take power in November. And it's still looking like they could, but uh, it's not as strong as it once was. And I don't know if that's if Republicans aren't getting the right message out or what what's going on there. But public opinion is not quite as strong behind changing to Republican leadership as it was just about a month ago. But anyway, he says that um, he says he's getting out. And uh, he said the top investigation, which I think will primarily be done in the Oversight Commission. This is Jim Jordan he responding. The, uh, he's a Republican from Ohio. He said, um, he said the, the top investigation, which I, I think will primarily be done on the Oversight Committee, is on Fauci and the gain of function and the lab leak, which is the most likely scenario, how we got this virus. These guys are not giving up on that. I'm glad they're not, because not just out of vengeance, if they don't like Fauci, I don't have a lot of confidence in him. Actually, I've heard him say too many things, and they're contradictory. I don't know a whole lot about viral diseases, but I know one thing. We've gone through a an episode with a viral disease, and we sure got a lot of mixed signals. I mean, more than we probably should have if someone knew what they were doing and the way that they should know. But nonetheless, Jim Jordan says that he he's going to be investigating if he is the um, if he heads up a committee, Senator Rand Paul has been all over this, as you know, and uh, he's also vowed to investigate Fauci should Republicans take the Senate majority. And um, Paul said in February, Rand Paul, he said, if we win in November, if I'm chairman of a committee, if I have subpoena power, we'll go after every one of Fauci's records. I think that's probably what's behind Fauci stepping down. I don't know what his records would be but or what they would reveal, but he does. And Rand Paul and several of the Republicans are really keen on getting to the bottom of what happened on this virus, this COVID, because if it came from that gain-of-function uh, research that Fauci denies was happening, but scientists who were there say it was happening— in China that we were funding, we taxpayers, that would not be a pleasant ride for Dr. Fauci. So that's probably why he's getting out now rather than at the end of Biden's term, unless he he and Biden are, are deciding to walk out together. I don't know. Anyway, the Bible says in Psalm 89, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations talking about the faithfulness of God. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. The faithfulness shall thou establish in the very heavens. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved, Psalm 121. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall never slumber nor sleep. 
In the New Testament, Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he said, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Bottom line, God is in control and God is faithful. He will not forget the promises that he's made to the people who follow him. He is faithful and just. He is faithful forever. And God is in control. So as we look at what's happening in our world day after day and moment by moment, we see things changing in our world. I've never seen things changing so fast and so quickly. And unfortunately, often for the worse, not the better. But we see these things happening, and sometimes there's just this frustration that can come over us like a like a rainy day in Puget Sound or whatever. And you, it's just, you just feel it. But the response to that is to turn our attention not to the unanswered questions that keep piling up and, the, and, a, and a culture that's out of control and in denial of God and in rebellion to God and all of this, but to turn to God and simply look at God and say, Lord, I know you're faithful because you said you are and there is no instance where you have never been faithful. You have always been faithful. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. And you look at things from that perspective. That's a biblical perspective. Interesting, I read this morning that uh, U.S. magistrate, this Judge Bruce Reinhardt, he's the guy that signed the the go-ahead for the uh, raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago here a while back. He argued this morning, he argued this morning, he rejected the Department of Justice's um, uh, ask or their petition to keep the Mar-a-Lago search warrant affidavit under wraps. They don't want anybody to see it. They're saying that the government has the burden of proof. He says the government has the burden of proof to show why parts of the affidavit must be sealed. And this guy is not a Trump fan. He's, In fact, he doesn't like Trump. He's proven that by statements in the past. But the FBI, they raided the home you know, of, of President Trump, and it was very un- unprecedented by most all accounts. It was way overreaching because Trump had been working with them. So Reinhardt wrote, the government can keep the search warrant affidavit, which should shed light on the reasoning behind the warrant, sealed to, they can keep it sealed as long as there is compelling government interest and the denial access is narrowly tailored to serve that interest. Well, that's the problem. It isn't narrowly uh, tailored to serve the interest that they're claiming that they want to get to in their investigations, so-called. So, there's a lot of problems emerging from this whole thing, and it's looking more and more like us ordinary folks out here probably thought it was all along, and that is just a very deliberately timed big show because Trump's people were talking to them all along, and they were cooperating with them, and there was back and forth and so on, but there there was no no one that says this whole episode of you know, talking about which uh, things he can keep as far as documents and so on for his library and whatever down the road, as all presidents do. And there was no big conflict over what they could have, the, the government, what they couldn't have, and so on. And so all of a sudden they do this raid in the middle of the night. It was just a show. And everybody pretty much knows that. And the left doesn't care, the Democrats don't care, as long as they can get some political value out of it. 
So that's what's happening today. And even Bruce Reinhardt, and he's one of them. I mean, he's an activist judge, in my opinion, and he's very leftist. And he's even saying, man, you know, you got to... I'm trying to work with you. I mean, he didn't say that, but that's the inference. You've got to direct this document that I signed at least towards something in particular, not everything in general. That, at least that's, that's the way I see it. And, of course, the big argument among the left is that, oh, we can't, we can't allow these... Uh, this information out because it's highly classified and so on and so forth. Well, I, uh, some of it may be, but a lot of it is not. It's interesting that uh, Representative Dan Crenshaw yesterday on CNN, he called the FBI's raid on President Trump's Mar-a-Lago automatically political. He said, by the nature, he said, anybody can look at what's going on there and what happened and the way it happened with the lights and the all these, you know, dozen, 30-some officers and all of this coming in there like there was a murder hold up in there. Somebody had murdered somebody or whatever. He said, he said, I'm not one to withhold criticism and even make my own side mad. But he said, I want to get to the truth. He said, but I will be honest with you here. It's hard to justify what the Department of Justice did here. He's a guy that wears a patch over one eye. You've probably seen him. He's a conservative, but he's very outspoken and certainly has his own mind about things. I don't agree with him on everything, but mostly I do. And uh, he was very unrestrained in his talk with CNN yesterday. Seattle Pacific University is back in the news or being featured in local news, and it is also in a national story. Yesterday, Seattle Pacific University is still competing with two very different worldviews as a university. I think this is a microcosm of what's happening in our culture. In fact, I know it is. It's not only happening at Seattle Pacific University, but they've drawn a lot of attention locally for sure. The Seattle Times is all over this because they have an agenda and they want to push an LGBTQ community um, project or agenda onto the university because the university has traditionally been very biblical and Christian for the most part uh, over the years. 130 years ago, the university was created by free Methodists. They were hardworking, Bible-believing, God-fearing Christians. They wanted an education center that reflected those values, biblically based, but highly efficient in in a just a classic education for their children and other people's children in the Seattle and Northwest region, actually. So they started this. It was, it's had a couple of name changes, but it's Seattle Pacific University. On July 30th, the Seattle Times reported that Seattle Pacific University has filed a suit against Attorney General Bob Ferguson. I mentioned that in passing on the program. I didn't talk a lot about it, but I mentioned it here. The suit claimed that the Attorney General is wielding state power, I'm quoting from the suit, to interfere with the religious beliefs of a religious university and a church whose beliefs he disagrees with. I would make that same observation. I've don't know Bob Ferguson, but I've certainly watched him. And in dealing with 
a, a grandmother, a florist in in Richland, and dealing with others who have biblical beliefs about human sexuality, he has not been kind. He's been relentless. They said he's wielding power to interfere with the religious beliefs of a religious university. This is the board of trustees talking, not the faculty. The faculty are teamed up with Ferguson. And a lot of the student body is too. And it's very discouraging, disappointing. The suit claimed that Ferguson and Ferguson fired back and said that the SPU's lawsuit demonstrates that the university believes it is above the law. He's using he's using this where they're taking a stand that the trustees are, not the faculty. The faculty's going the other way, and a lot of the students are as well. But he he Ferguson is saying that they think that the university thinks they're above the law because they're trying to push their agenda, but it's their place. It's their university. And that's where most of these cases that we see in the country, that's where they break apart, is that these, these universities are and, and colleges and churches are built by the people who have ownership in them, spiritual and mental ownership, if not, not legal ownership, and they... They built them because of their deeply held religious values. And the First Amendment was created to protect those deeply held religious values. So every time in these issues, it comes down to the same thing. It comes down to the secularists accusing the Christians of being discriminatory and wanting to be discriminatory. And that's what's happening again. I bring this up because there was a featured op-ed in the Seattle Times yesterday about a, it written by a professor at Seattle Pacific University who's a homosexual and he's really pushing the university I don't know why they hired him in the first place but I guess they were trying to be inclusive or something I don't know but anyway he doesn't represent anything that university used to stand for I don't know for sure what it all stands for now but it's becoming pretty clear that the board of trustees are not wanting to go down that slippery slope to Sodom Yesterday, the Seattle Times was featuring this op-ed by Kevin Newhauser. He makes the case against SPU's interim president, this Pete Maharis, <clears throat> and the board of trustees who are fighting for biblical truth regarding what the Bible says about human sexuality. Back in July, July 30, it's been, what's that been, about three weeks ago now, the Seattle Pacific University, the Seattle Times reported this. Seattle Pacific University has filed suit against State Attorney General Bob Ferguson, charging that his investigation into possible hiring dis- discrimination against LGBTQ plus people violates the school's constitutionally protected right to religious freedom. The Seattle Times went on to say the Attorney General is wielding state power, quoting the the Board of Trustees, to interfere with the religious beliefs of a religious university and a church, that would be the Free Methodist Church, whose um, beliefs he disagrees with. It was a 22-page complaint. It was filed the end of last month of July. Ferguson, as I said, fired back on that, and he said, this demonstrates that the university believes it is above the law 
to such an extraordinary degree that it is shielded from answering basic questions from my office regarding the university's compliance with state law. The problem with that is it's not basic questions that he's asking. He's asking questions that are far and wide and basically none of his business because there's no charges made against them. The, the board, keep in mind, there's two very different camps on this university campus now. And I've looked into this and talked to some people. And the board of trustees is trying to stay with the biblical values that this university was founded upon 130 years ago, as I said. But the, the student body, generally, not all of them, but a lot of them, and the, and the uh, professors have organized and they've been at this for years. I've said before, I there was a time I, I was on staff there. I, In full disclosure, I served as, as special assistant to the president some years ago at Seattle Pacific University, and our oldest daughter graduated from SPU. So I have a history there, in fairness. But this is very bothersome every time these things come up because this whole movement was starting in its embryonic stages back when I was there a long time ago. And they were dealing with this on a much lower level, a less, um, you know, raucous level. But this was beginning then. And these people have stayed with this agenda to flip this university for all those years, decades. I think we can learn something from that, we Christians, because sometimes we get all, you know, pretty well worked up and emotional about things and we go at it and then we forget about it. The left never stops. They just keep going. It's called incrementalism and they keep going and they go from one to the next to the next year after year after year and law by law, they undermine certain principles, they undermine undermine certain values and eventually, if not checked, they win on an issue, whatever it may be. Ed Murray, former mayor of Seattle, used to talk about this. The Seattle Times praised him in an article how brilliant he was in his incrementalism. He didn't try to get the whole gay marriage thing, same-sex marriage thing passed in one big bite. He took it line by line, day by day, month by month, year by year. They celebrated him in an article. It's amazing. But that's what they do. And I think we could take something from that, we conservatives and biblical Christians. Stay stay steady, stay focused on the things that are important, the things of the Lord, the values in our culture and in our institutions. But that's what's going on there in uh, Seattle Pacific again, and this is geared up. I know a lot of you who listen to this program either went to Seattle Pacific University, I've heard from a lot of you, or you've sent your children there. It's very concerning. But yesterday, the Times featured this op-ed, and I don't have time to read it today, but it's Kevin Newhauser. As I said, he's a, a professor there of sociology, and uh, he's really going after it. And um, he says uh, he, he, he says the, Seattle, the SPU faculty overwhelmingly voted back on the 30th. 72% no confidence in the board. And he said that is the basis to change the beliefs of the university because 72% of the of the the faculty no longer believes in the trustees and their biblical vision for the school and i i will leave you with this churches 
Christian churches and Christian schools are not a democracy if you're following the Bible and trying to stand and build the institution on biblical values and principles. It's not a democracy. Well, I'm out of time, and uh, I have more to say, but we'll continue this conversation right here tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.